ladies and gentlemen, quarterback rankings time, the complete guide, exactly what you need for the 2022 NFL season. Some might say early, Hayden Winks, I would say just, just in time for the position that everything else revolves around. Hayden, there's a lot to talk about. We're going to get to rankings, but my first question is this, um, for so long with quarterbacks, a little strategy talk. It was, oh, take the late round guys because maybe the undervalued players, the position had some rushing ability and we can count on that. One, we all factor that in every single time when looking at these quarterbacks. And two, maybe best ball specific, but probably not. The top end groups, the top end players at this position are insane and can carry your fantasy football roster. So as weird as this sounds for quarterbacks, are they potentially underrated in fantasy football right now? My first column for this 2022 NFL season on the underdog network with literally quarterbacks are undervalued on underdog fantasy. And it's for the reasons you just laid out back in the day, like five years ago, rushing quarterbacks and then rookie quarterbacks that have like a ceiling were the underrated types. Now that's completely priced in. Look at the Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence ADPs from last year, Jalen Hurts ADP from last year and this year. Everyone's priced up appropriately except for Kenny Pickett and uh, Mac Jones because everyone hates those guys but uh, the dual threats rushing quarterbacks that are rookies are completely priced in but there is a haves and have nots at the position and it goes both ways I'm going to bring up neutral pace and neutral pass rate a lot of course the top uh, quarterbacks play for the teams that pass the ball at the highest rates and play because they're passing so much they also have the highest neutral pass rates you can't compete if you're not top 10 in both of those categories how in the hell are you going to be uh, a top five uh, fantasy quarterback unless your name's Lamar Jackson, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe Trey Lance? So really, like, I just don't see how if you're going to be 18th in neutral pass rate, 22nd in neutral pace, you're, you're shit out of luck. Like, you can never compete with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, because those are top five in both of those categories. Yeah, like even the builds that have three quarterbacks on their roster might not still be able to match up to the one that drafts Josh Allen, to the one that drafts... Patrick Mahomes. I think this is such a good point. We're going to talk about each of these players individually, our rankings versus where ADPs are right now. But this point that you're bringing up right now, Hayden, where 27 of the 31 games last year of 30 plus points for fantasy points, I should say, came from eight players, eight yep. players. In fact, 15 of the 31 games of 30 plus fantasy points came from three players at the top. So there is a clear difference. Either you have it or you don't, and they all come in shapes and sizes and do things differently. So let's try to get ahead of the game a little bit today. A couple more points. I think that this position is easier to project for the reasons that we just outlined. So that makes them pretty safe picks in the first uh, half part of the draft. And just going back to last year, uh, I came up with a stat, fantasy points over replacement. It's looking at best ball scoring on underdog fantasy. In 10 of the top 43 players overall, were quarterbacks and that includes Lamar Jackson who missed some time uh, a couple of the, of the other ones Kyler Murray missed some time as well it's a it's a position that scores more points it's projectable and I think that's why they're a little bit undervalued just to kind of go up bring this back to best ball uh, the highest scoring teams last year and this is just a one-year sample and we have to consider where Tom Brady for for example were being drafted but the if you don't have a quarterback in round I would say seven eight nine ten you're basically toast when it comes to this and it's because it, it, you're basically getting into like the, if Kirk cousins is your quarterback one, I think Kirk cousins is undervalued when it comes to week 15, when you're trying to advance the best ball mania week 16, week 17, we should have to come in first place out of 400, 500 people. 
is Kirk Cousins going to have that week where he gets 34 fantasy points? Probably yeah. not. That's my guy, Kirk. We'll talk about Kirk. He's underrated. And it, it might even be a little nuanced with best ball versus, you know, your regular managed leagues too, because those rosters churn. You can focus on the individual matchup that Sunday, you know, home field advantage, expect to score 2014 total points, all that type of stuff. It's different in best ball. And by the way, if you haven't played best ball, what are you doing with your summer? Don't wait until September or August to draft. Do it right now on Underdog Fantasy, the best place to do it. Get that little shot in your arm where you get to finish a draft and do all these different strategies. It's also the best way to prepare for that home link that you have. Deposit anything. Your first deposit will match it up to $100. June 16th last year was the date last year's million-dollar winner drafted his team. So there is a sweet spot here where all the, you don't get all the information, but the ADPs are still settling here. So you can draft at any point uh, on Underdog. It's never too early for fantasy. Yeah. Promo code the show. Okay. There's a clear cliff with a bunch of these quarterbacks, at least in my opinion. I'm so excited to get your view on this. We're going to bring up highlights, all 22 with a bunch of these quarterbacks as well. And let's go through our rankings. And we kick it off with no one else other than Josh Allen. He's drafted as the quarterback one this year after being the quarterback one last year. Uh, it's in the third round. He's going right now. What I want to bring up with Josh Allen, and this always stands out to me with the Bills, after completing just 24% of his 20-plus yard passes in 2019, he has now posted the same exact completion percentage over 20-plus yards in the last two seasons. 44%, almost 45% in 2020 and 2021. So it's not just that. He's not just a deep ball thrower, Hayden. He also had 763 rushing yards this past season. That was third among all quarterbacks and only 21 yards from first. So while we're saying, oh, man, Vertical shots, moon balls, he has that. He's also an absolute menace against defenses and man coverage running the football. Guess what? He's figured out the short to intermediate game as well. The complete quarterback in the game at the moment. Third in neutral pass rate, ninth in neutral pace. And he was, uh, there was 13 games last year where a fantasy quarterback had 35 fantasy points. He had five of the, of the 13. So unquestioned right now, he has the highest ceiling. And it's because the, the passing offense is off the charts, but also, like you said, he scrambles. And because he's such a big quarterback, he's scrambling in the red zone in particular. There's quarterback draws, their quarterback sneaks. They get him on the, the move a little bit in the red zone. That's why he's probably going to be scoring five to 10 rushing touchdowns on top of that. So that's why he goes in the middle of the third round. You can pair him with Steph Diggs. You can pair him with Gabe Davis a couple of rounds later. My personal favorite is to pair him with Dawson Knox because we had that video below yep. where we talked about how good Dawson Knox is. But really, it's just everything about the offense looks in place the only thing that you can kind of be concerned about with josh allen is the wide receiver depth looks a little bit worse this year uh and they lose brian dayball but the, after the success that they've had and we like sean mcdermott we like their their gm as well i don't see how this offense is actually going to change all that much maybe a couple more tight end plays but really the arm strength and his athleticism plus how fast this offense moves you really can't beat him can we dive into that, though, a little bit more? Because these are the type of off-season questions that we gloss over because Josh Allen is so good, and he is. Like, There's no way he's going to fail completely, even if Stefan Diggs goes down, even if the play calling isn't perfect. But those are pretty big questions. I mean, a change in play caller coming from Brian Dayball, who set this guy up for a lot of success since Stefan Diggs came in two seasons ago. No one, basically, throughout the league has more on their shoulders, in my opinion, to carry their offense and a lot of it is because his responsibility inside the red zone. I mean, 34 touchdowns inside the red zone this past season. And he doesn't get that much help from his running back 
in those areas too. Like I think they accounted for 12 rushing touchdowns. The running backs did too. It's all in fix that. Yeah, no, they didn't fix that. They didn't fix that at all. So again, I understand that Ken Dorsey was a part of this roster, the quarterback's coach under Brian Dayball, but we see this a lot decades long in history that like, Hey, play calling the nuances of the game, the flow of the game. It's just not as simple as a new guy taking over, but hopefully it is in this case. Yeah. And there's still compared to last year. I mean, he was the seventh overall player in this better and best ball points, fantasy points over replacement six uh, per game average. So really even if he does regress, the price is you're you're getting him at like 30th overall right now in underdog. So it, you we're expecting some decline here, and it's very he's very easy to stack just the way that the Bills' offense is set up. They play the Bengals in Week 17 for the people that care about that as well. So really, I think that Josh Allen is an excellent pick uh, in the middle of the third round. Obviously, better if you have Seth Diggs in the first round, but you don't even have to do that. I'm not that concerned. They basically are keeping most of the offensive uh, identity in changes swapping in James and Crowder for Cole Beasley. Yes. The play caller is, is different, but they're, they're hiring within the, the, the structure, the culture, all that stuff is so locked in right now uh, that I'm not that concerned. And the other part of this, and we trust the bills outright. Cause I think you kind of have to now with how they've built both sides of the ball and how they're the odds on favorite, you know, to be the best team in football at this moment. But Again, no Cole Beasley, no Emmanuel Sanders, which on the surface, it was their choice, right? And they could always bring maybe Manny Sanders back if they wanted to. But Gabriel Davis is their second wide receiver now. And, you know, the thought, the last thought we have with him is absurd. I mean, touchdowns, 200 yards, whatever you want to say. But he still has yet to cross 600 yards receiving in the NFL. Um, The other part of this conversation, too, is last summer, the thought was, well, if you take a wide receiver in round one, you have to stack him with your quarterback after that. I'm with you where one of my favorite things to do right now is to take Josh Allen in round three and then round pick 100, take Dawson Knox as the tight end nine, tight end 10, because the bar is lower to clear for tight ends to be impactful, not just on a weekly basis, but in week 17 too. And while Stefan Diggs is going around one, while Gabriel Davis now is the wide receiver 24 in drafts, which I understand both sides of that, Dawson Knox to me is still the one that's undervalued of that group. Yep, totally. Bunch of ways that you can attack it. You can have your Steph Diggs fans. There's Gabe Davis fans. I'm somewhere in the middle with all of this stuff. But to me, Josh Allen is the, Josh Allen and Dawson Knox are the two Bengals I want to be overweight on this year. One final note: He had 87 attempts of 20 plus yards last season, only two interceptions. Um, the veterans of the group, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, they had about the exact same number of 20 plus yard attempts, and they had five and eight interceptions. So not only man is he going down the field and trying to tear you apart and rip up the playbook that you have defensively, he's also not turning the football in this situation. It's crazy what he has morphed into, and it's so much fun. DBs can't catch. He throws it so damn hard. DBs play (laughs) defense because they can't catch, especially when Josh Allen, the 100-mile-an-hour fastball is coming at you. From Josh Allen, we now go to Patrick Mahomes, our quarterback two, your quarterback two out there on Underdog Fantasy, drafted in the fourth round. Um, Last year, though, I believe he finishes the quarterback five in fantasy points per game. And Hayden, there was a pretty big shift there for Patrick Mahomes. I know his toe was bothering him. They invested so much in the offensive line after the Super Bowl. But there were some spurts where, one, it was really bad turnover luck. I remember talking about it with you on a week-to-week basis. But the offense did have to change. I mean, only 10.5% of his passes traveled 20-plus yards down the field. That was 21st among all quarterbacks who played 50% of their snaps. And now... There's a significant change in the offseason without Tyreek Hill. So what's your view for 2022? 
I'm not expecting the same exact Patrick Mahomes numbers here because I do think Tyreek Hill is such a big part of that. But I do think that we just shouldn't like take the on-off splits or whatever uh, because I think MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore can add enough together to keep this offense afloat. I am worried that they might run the ball a little bit, but uh, really, I mean, it's, it's Patrick Dan Mahomes. Like, we can't really overthink this. Last year, he was worthy of the 25th overall per game um, over replacement. And he's being drafted 41st overall. So we're expecting a little bit of decline here. Even if the neutral pass rate comes down a little bit, they were first in the league last year. So I'm expecting uh, pretty similar numbers from Patrick Mahomes. I think that they are going to have to uh, mix and match it a little bit more. There's a little bit lower floor because Travis Kelsey's a little bit older and this offense is very reliant on someone like Travis Kelsey now. Um, so I think the floor is lower than normal, but it's still Patrick Mahomes, probably the best quarterback in the league. I think there's going to be a pretty significant change this offseason. I wish I had talked about this a little bit more during our tight end show, which you all can check out on the channel. Um, I think everything revolves around Travis Kelsey from the passing game standpoint, and it's all going to be built around him like he's the X wide receiver. And then you might get rid of a bit of these RPOs that they kind of were accustomed to a lot last season and maybe be a little bit more typical drop back play action style do everything like that with the revolving doors at Juju, MVS, Mecole, Sky Moore. The thing though with Patrick Mahomes is the fantastic, the, the fascinating is so exhilarating that we kind of lose sight of just how good he is inside the structure of the offense. Um, it got a little bit worse at times last year, and this just might be a crazy thought that I had, but how, again, the 2020 season ended with that Super Bowl loss and how he was just shoved into the ground on every single time he tried to throw the football. They improved that offensive line greatly. Great run blocking unit, great pass blocking unit. It's almost like he didn't trust it at times, though, like just to go through the scope of the offense for that middle portion of the season. And then at the end, it all, it all was 100% figured out. So I expect all systems go despite Tyreek and with Andy Reid and his creativity, Eric Bieniemy as well. I'm, uh, I'm really not concerned without the Tyreek Hill and the super weapon that he can be on the outside. Yeah, the cover two stuff shouldn't matter nearly as much. They've figured out the offense. Uh, they've had the entire offseason to figure it out even more. And they have better weapons for it. Like Juju's, Juju Smith, Sky Moore can possibly be that player. MVS can still stretch the field vertically. So, yeah, tr truly not that concerned with Patrick Mahomes at all. And you can't blitz him. I mean, he completes 72% of the passes when blitzed. So That's if absurd. he's already good at doing that, then probably a rare unique quarterback can figure out everything when he's not blitzed and adding all these pieces as well will certainly help certainly help that okay so he's going in the fourth round another quarterback is also going in the fourth round we have two tied for our quarterback three but we'll go with the one that's on top of adp and that's justin herbert um quarterback two in fancy points per game last season hayden most total touchdowns in the first two seasons of an nfl player's career that's justin herbert Really no new pieces either, and that can possibly be viewed as a good thing because it's the second year with play caller Joe Lombardi. Now he's in his third year with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and boy, oh boy, bazooka Justin Herbert. It has been so much fun to watch him and research this show. 
he is incredible. I think we're going to get to a point where he can be considered the best quarterback in the league. That's like the trajectory that he's on. Uh, a couple random stats that you get with Justin Herbert. First of all, this is like the most incredible play I've ever seen in my life. Like this, that is an absurd throw here. If you're on the podcast feed, you're missing out. Go over to the YouTube channel. Give us a sub for plays like this. Um, but really, yeah, he's the most touchdowns through the first two seasons is amazing. And what the reason why I think I'm a little more optimistic uh, in his second season with this coaching staff is last year, they were still 15th in neutral pass rate. You know, to me, that can go up. They were six in neutral pace. That can go up a little bit too. The week 17 game couldn't get better against the Rams at home. And the craziest little stat that I found this morning is 10 of their uh, last 11 games are played in a dome. All of their fantasy oh. playoff games are in a dome. And the, the, their outside games is like Kansas City in September, like the Browns or something in like uh, early October. It's going to be perfect weather for this offense, and it's just going to be ripping it downfield. To me, his he's so smart. His arm is insane. He could run. They're really like I don't see like any flaws really in his game and the way that he operates the field, throwing downfield. That's how you get these massive spiked week potentials. So as long as they can figure out their right tackle spot, um, I think that this offense is is ready to cook again, and I can see them playing a little bit faster, passing the ball a little bit more uh, in the second year of this offense. Size, arm, their skills, and he makes throws to blind spots of defenses that they can't prepare for, that they don't see with any other team or any other quarterback throughout the league. I mean, those backside, basically to his third read, opposite hash throws are insane. And you see it on almost a weekly basis. Um, Just what he did last season incredible shit he was number one in epa on third down number one now if i could throw out maybe some salt that could get in little sticky spots here of 27 quarterbacks who played 50 percent of the snaps last season where do you think justin herbert ranked in terms of air yards per attempt well i remember complaining about it early on in the season i was probably like halfway in the middle yes yeah, 21st 21st and so like Maybe that changes. I think it does. And I think you outline potential reasons why it could, but they still haven't fixed that right tackle spot. So while he's still incredible on third down, what if that regresses a little bit, you know, and Gerald Everett, what does he bring to this table? No other running back could protect last year other than Austin Eckler. And so like when that's also compounded by offensive line questions, and maybe that short up obviously in the interior with Zion Johnson teams can really like confuse you and blitz you and be really effective. And we actually saw that in a few games last year, like when the offensive line couldn't protect, he did his damnedest to bring them out of the hole. But at sometimes it's just, it's just not enough. Um, so, I view the like, line as a positive to me, you know, like you get a hundred, look at their, look at their line. They have for a, a, a potentially all pro left tackle. This guard they drafted, was a highly consensus uh, ranked player. They have one of the best centers in the league. Matt Filer's totally fine at right guard. You're talking about one position and one little tr- uh, training camp addition here could f- figure that out. And even if you have four good ones, to me, that's plenty. I, I throw the tight end on the other side, have the, 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 the uh, running back block on that side and you're ready to go. Like they have four above average starters on the offensive line. You cannot say that about, the Justin Herbert last year or two years ago. I'm with you four pieces. Very good. But what I just said about when blitzers came off the edge in terms of five on five or six on five, only Austin Eckler could pass protect. And that's why he played so often. 
Like he basically called out his teammates and said, Hey man, are you guys going to give me a rest? And may- so maybe Isaiah Spiller fills in a little bit for that. I too. thought Spiller can block personally, but yeah, so maybe that's the case. And they also don't really make it that easy for him. I mean, he only had 45 screens last season. That was fourth lowest in the league. Um, it's pretty amazing though, that he is ranked this high among other quarterbacks. We're about to talk about too. And his rushing upside isn't nearly the same as a lot of them. And it's because just how special he is. I'm not saying he's, he's unathletic. Hayden, I wish they would throw it. Yeah. Right. But it's not Josh Allen and a few of the other names that we're about to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. He is definitely just, I'm the best, one of the best passers in the league. And that's how he's going to get his points. But he, I hope that they do let him run around a little bit more in the red zone, but. And hopefully again, a second year with a play caller who has a better feel for it and a better defense. I think that these conversations a lot when you're like, oh, I wish my quarterback had a bad defense attached to them because that means they have to chase the scoreboard and chase points. I want the best team possible. I want the defense to give me a ball in a better situation and more advantageous situation. I want good teams because guess what? Good teams score more points than their opponents and they win more games, period. And that's equals fantasy points, you know? Yeah, their run defense couldn't get them off the field. There was a time where Justin Herbert just sitting on the bench for for 15 plays. That Browns game was ludicrous, I remember. Just so ludicrous. Okay, Uh, so he's tied for third. The man we have him tied with, Lamar Jackson. Quarterback four right now, going in the fifth round, so a little bit after where Herbert is going. In a season where everything went wrong on the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson still finished as the quarterback eight in fantasy points per game. I mean, both starting tackles missed basically the entire year. The top running backs that have large investments around them, zero snaps. Uh, They couldn't be multiple at tight end, which is what they absolutely love to do offensively. Three deep drops by Hollywood Brown. The defense was decimated by injuries. So the rookie first round pick at wide receiver missed the opening five games. Still the quarterback eight and still the quarterback eight with only 18 total touchdowns. So if we just look at last year, how can we rank him as the quarterback three here? And it's because of all those negatives and how much better it could potentially be this year. They, it was actually weird. They were struggling against man coverage. Remember there's a couple of games where they would just be bringing like cover zero, uh, like nonstop. And they didn't have like Marquise Hollywood Brown is definitely better in zone and against off coverage. And that's why I think that Rashad, why we're so high on Rashad Bateman is we think he can win uh, one-on-one on the outside uh, against man coverage. And they need that type of weapon. But even last year, like with all the nonsense going around him, Kyler Murray or uh, Lamar Jackson had three of his, of his 11 healthy games with over 30 fantasy points. So to me, it's Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson as who can give me 40 points uh, in, in the best ball mania three finals uh, to bring home $2 million to me, like Lamar Jackson's at that top of that list. And he's going around the, the round four or five turn around Rashad Bateman. You can pair him up with Mark Andrews in the second round. Totally fine with that. And this offense, like I know people are complaining about the, the depth at wide receiver, but really because they use a fullback, a second tight end, a third tight end on some plays, they truly do just need two um, weapons uh, or two pass catchers. And I think that just getting, the the running backs back the offensive line will sure surely be better this year they added um a top end uh center in the draft as well i think that lamar jackson's gonna be ready to cook again and even last year uh tyler huntley went in there just based off this offense and he had a 30 plus point right. fantasy game so this this offense is just designed for fantasy points and if, as long as lamar jackson stays healthy for even like 12 games this year you're going to be able to pay off this price tag pretty easily 
Yeah, I felt like because of the offensive line issues and because of the injuries to the defense that like at times he felt like he had to force it a bit too often. And then when Tyler Huntley in there, he didn't have to force it at all and kind of went through the structure of the offense. And that turned into the result of like what their fourth 30 plus point game between them. Uh, Look, the rushing too also was not there. I mean, in each of the last two seasons prior to 2021, he had at least a thousand yards rushing. And seven touchdowns this past season. It wasn't close to that. What it was 750 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So like we're getting that on top of it. He only had 18 total touchdowns, dude, 18 total touchdowns. He had 36 passing touchdowns alone in 2019. We are not far removed from this offense, this team being best in the league. And no one had worse injury luck than this team last season. And if you just bring those back, I would be optimistic. We're added on to that. Even more with Rashad Bateman. We have a whole video on him. Check that out because it's his fit with Lamar is fantastic. And then you mentioned it, Tyler Linderbaum, along with some free agents as well. That offensive line is awesome. Is awesome. Um, again, 2019, 27.7 fancy points per game. That's the most in a single season ever. Ever. Yep. And that's why I have him as my quarterback three. You have him as quarterback four. Just want to call that attention to it. Yes, but uh, at cost, we're, we're ripping employee drafts on underdog fantasy right now. We are just ripping these and Lamar Jackson's by quarterback one in exposure by a wide margin. I do want to call this out. The top quarterbacks and their pass catchers um, are getting a little bit pricier just in general because their week 17 matchup is so pristine. Lamar Jackson is that next tier down. And since they're playing the Steelers, none of these players are getting priced up because of their matchup. To me, Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, after getting Deontay, or if you like George Pickens later, if you're a Fryermuth guy, pair that. That is going to be one of the best ways, I think, to have that elite season or elite ceiling in Week 17. I think that Lamar Jackson, the next quarterback we're going to get to, Kyler Murray, and then the next one, Jalen Hurts. To me, this is the sweet spot of the players that you want to be highest exposed to um, in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, just some other players going around Lamar Jackson in drafts right now. George Kittle, Allen Robinson, Travis Etienne. Gabriel Davis, David Montgomery, Chris Godwin, especially the names after him. I know it's a onesie position, but there's a chance the Marcos out there and gets five 30 plus point games this season. I mean, how they have built it up, how they have restocked the shelves. It's all set up with contract year Lamar as well to, to rip through some defenses and some opposite teams. And I'm, I'm all for it. Lamar is special, man. He's surgical in the middle of the field too. So surgical. And okay. he's got Mark Andrews, who's an absolute ludicrous player right now. Absolute hoss. So we go from Lamar Jackson down to our quarterback five, who's also being drafted as the quarterback five, 61st overall. That's Kyler Murray. Feels like a long time ago, but let's rewind. In the opening seven games of last season, maybe some have forgotten just how special Kyler Murray was. I mean, he was completing 73% of his passes, 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and five total turnovers. The Cardinals in the seven games, seven to no. Now I say all that because that was running hot. That was nearly perfect. But in that span of time, Hayden, Kyler Murray was still just the quarterback four when you consider those first seven games on a points per game basis. He's physically gifted, but is that almost the ceiling that we have seen already from him? No, I think his ceilings could be quarterback one overall. Like I, I think that he's that crazy of a player. This offense, uh, fourth in neutral pass rate, seventh in neutral pace. This is just kind of the environment that you're looking for. Cliff puts 
everything on Kyler Murray's play. If just the way that their offense is set up, it's Kyler Murray make a play or throw a one-on-one ball to DeAndre Hopkins, sometimes A.J. Green on the perimeter. They go uh, moss somebody, or you have a little bit of check down. Maybe Rondale Moore makes a play. That's like how their offense is set up. To me, that's why Kyler Murray's floor is lower than Lamar Jackson. I can keep comparing those two because they have the same ceiling. Their offenses aren't exactly the same, but uh, you get the dual threat quarterback. But I do think that the DeAndre Hopkins suspension is a concern. I hope that they keep Marquise Brown in the slot because Marquise Brown not playing against press coverage and and just being that vertical threat that kind of like Christian Kirk was last year. To me, that's per picture perfect but those first six weeks could be a little bit concerning just the way that this offense is set up i'm hoping and like we can't expect this to happen because we've been asking for this for a couple seasons cliff kingsbury needs to change his offense a little bit tweak it a little bit and this offensive line compared to the ravens complaint uh, compared to the chargers and the chiefs and the bills not nearly as good and this is to me a little bit of a house of cards situation when it comes to the cardinal just how steve kimes kind of set up this team but with all that said Kyler Murray scrambling Kyler Murray throwing the ball downfield is insane, like top, top, top end talent. So I do think that uh, playing the Falcons in a dome in week 17 against that horrendous defense to me, I still want to be overweight on Kyler Murray. Um, even with like all the distractions going around with this team, I still think that his sauce is just basically designed for fantasy production. Yeah. I love it when players break the mold and almost no one, I mean, no one does anything like Kyler does it. Like just how it's like a jitterbug in the red zone and scoring touchdowns inside the 10-yard line and bobbing and weaving and doing the hokey pokey in the backfield and creating big plays. But what we can predict is kind of what you just outlined. Like Cliff Kingsbury was not creative enough. He did not shift anything. And they got demolished in the playoffs because of it. And so I opened with that conversation of how at its peak, when they went 7-0, Kyler was the quarterback four. We then know he he got injured, missed the next three games, and the final six games was not good. Just nine touchdowns, three interceptions. The ankle was for sure bothering him, and defenses knew that they could kind of mush-rush him, like keep him confined to the pocket because he just wasn't moving as well as he was. He did improve on third downs, but what coincided with that injury and that decline was also the missed time for DeAndre Hopkins. You know, it wasn't just Kyler individually. It was the offense fell apart without Nuke. And so, as you outlined, the massive question is, what does this team do and how does it look like when they don't have the guy that they line up on the outside, on the left side, and just say, when we're in trouble, when he has single coverage, we can throw it to him and trust him to win him one-on-one. And instead, it's going to flow through, hopefully, the vertical slot of Hollywood Brown, the underneath yak stuff with Zach Ertz, and then James Conner being the full-time running back. But is that enough with what Cliff has shown? You know? Yeah, that's where I'm conflicted because, like, if we're so focused on the the fantasy playoffs mattering so much, DeAndre Hopkins should just be back, and then all these concerns should just be kind of thrown away. So I I still just want to... I can see a top-five offense for every quarterback we just talked about, you know, in the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins, I would struggle to see an outcome that the Cardinals are a top five offense. Yeah, I agree with that. His spiked week is just still so too high for me to ignore. I think that he's being drafted now. It's like in the sixties, like Lamar Jackson is closer to like uh, 49, 50 overall. So we're seeing Kyler's ADP drop a little bit. I think that like, if he's going 30, 40 spots, uh, after Josh Allen stuff, I think that the value is it's most of this stuff is kind of priced in and DeAndre Hopkins is going like 75th overall. Those two are pretty easy to stack. 
very easy to stack. Or if you want Zach Ertz or any of those pieces, they're, they are certainly pretty affordable. And we were just talked about Lamar and how inefficient Hollywood Brown was on those vertical targets. Kyler Murray was third in the NFL in percentage of his pass attempts that traveled 20 plus yards down the field. And Hollywood Brown, enter him into that area. Uh, and again, I, I want to reiterate that Kyler's improving. You know, he's gotten a lot better on third down. He converted 43% just a few seasons ago of third downs. And now 53% of those are being converted into first downs or touchdowns. So he's getting better in, in critical areas. I just kind of wonder if he's a deodorant for that entire organization, including oh, Steve Kime sure. and, and Cliff Kingsbury. So. But they still play with so much pace and they pass the ball True. so much that like all that stuff, even if, even if it's less efficient, the offense is just ready to, to go out there and run 60 plays a week. Okay. One more in this grouping. Let's go to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is our quarterback six. I believe he's also being drafted now as the quarterback six, around 64 overall. We're going to get into a lot of positivity, but if I can just like press a little bit of a pause button here, he's the only quarterback being drafted in the top 16 where his team isn't sold on him. You know, he's already made a huge leap from his time at Alabama to Oklahoma, even in his first few seasons in the league, but he has to make another one here. Um, I get a little bit nervous with how the Eagles are treating future draft picks and potentially this position when we're drafting someone this early, when his team might not have been sold on it. But that's a, that's a dynasty question. We're here for, for best ball for this year. Are you, do you think he's actually going to get benched at any point this season? I would put that at extremely low odds. I would say in the top 12, 13 quarterbacks, he's the most likely to get benched this season. Yes. But I would say it's like still like 5% at the most, yeah. you know? And I, I think that the big thing for me is he's going to be a more efficient passer. Look how bad Jalen Rager was uh, compared to what AJ Brown's going to be coming in there and doing and how efficient those targets are going to be. To me, just like how good this offense is going to be set up. Dallas Goddard's a stud. We think that Devonta Smith's a stud. Uh, and AJ Brown's a stud. I think that his, his passing numbers are going to even take another step forward. And if you just look at last year, uh, this team uh, was fifth in neutral pace. And we think that they're going to pass the ball more just because they have better weapons and how they started off the year last year. And to me, I thought he took some improvements as a passer. If you look at completion he percentage did. over expected uh, uh, two seasons ago, it was at minus 3.4. Last year, it was at zero complete average there. And it, the other thing is the time to throw. Um, it went from 3.4 seconds down to 3.2 seconds, which isn't a huge uh, decrease, but he's still making some improvements here. He doesn't have the arm of, other players like Kyler Murray, like Josh Allen, that are somewhat in that same kind of mold, and that's why he's never going to reach that potential. But this offense is so good around him, and he's such a good uh, scrambler. He averaged 52 rushing yards per game, 15 of 16 games at 30 rushing yards. To me, I don't see how this this goes sideways unless he literally just keeps throwing interceptions and they have to bring in Gardner Minshew or whoever their backup is, and I just don't see that happening. My main point in saying that they might not be sold on him is that if he doesn't show that he can carry the style of offense that they want to be in terms of passing, then they'll pivot on over to maybe a role that features running backs far more, you know, because even in the first, what, seven weeks of last season, I think he averaged the same exact number of rushing yards in both when they were very pass heavy to when they weren't. And like you said, it was around 50 to 52 yards. Now the difference is that he averaged nearly 35 passing attempts 
in the first six or seven weeks of the season. And the next seven full games, it was 25 passing attempts. It's because they started two and five and they finished five and two. We have a whole video on this. I won't reiterate the entire thing, but we think from a top-down approach, the Eagles want to throw the football. But Jalen Hurts has to prove that he can throw the football. And if he doesn't, Hayden, I do feel, I'm not saying it's going to wither away or disintegrate away, but he's not going to reach the top three or four at this position without being a capable quality passer. He's got to become more uh, efficient, but we've seen players, it's like his third uh, season in, in the league, basically as a, as a starter. And he's gets, he gets AJ Brown. Like his offense is just really like those three weapons, really like talking, like that is like top end talent. He keeps improving year, year over year. Yes. He's super inconsistent, but if they go this way, where um, and looking like at the top uh, six games here, a bunch of games with elite neutral pass rates, even if we meet that somewhere in the middle and they're 15th in pass attempts this year because they just have better weapons, I think that's going to be big news for Jalen Hurts. And I think that he is capable. I, I think that we've kind of like as a community undersold what Jalen Hurts. This dude was amazing in college. Like Nick Saban thought he was good. Lincoln Riley uh, thought he was good. Then he went in the second round, overperformed there, and he keeps taking some uh steps here i know he's not the perfect quarterback here but i, I don't want to write him off completely yet. i still think there's another uh way that he can improve his passing numbers this year and you know this i'm not, I'm not trying to do this i'm i'm really just trying to throw some debate into the conversation here because of where he's going and how he might be felt in not the locker room the locker room absolutely loves him but like where it might be in 2023 you know um i will say how they start the season this year is much easier than last year. I mean, again, they opened two and five, but through their first four games were the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. This year, he gets the Lions, the Vikings, the Commanders, and Jacksonville. That's pretty damn good. Uh, he does love, he does love to climb the pocket, escape to the right, and throw down to the right side of the field. Like his passing chart is so different than Lamar Jackson, where Lamar is surgical over the middle of the field. And Jalen Hurts loves the right side, and that's not that's not it, but that's his sweet spot. That's his his comfy cushion. That's his pillow area, and he kind of drifts towards it more and more and more. And even some of the arm that you talked about, there's some inaccuracies that eliminate some uh, separation and some bigger gains as well. But look, he's made so many strides. He wasn't even an NFL player at Alabama, and to where he is right now, and how this team can shift probably on the fly more quickly if they need to. Uh, I, I'm excited. I am really excited for this Philadelphia Eagles organization because that roster, offensive line, skill group, defense should be really, really damn good. Yep, I'm buying for sure. Okay. We go from... Um, can I ask this question? Because I think this is a good spot for it. So J Jalen Hurts, let me find it. Yeah. He's going as 64th overall, and you haven't unleashed like your full rankings at the moment. But a lot of these quarterbacks, Hayden, that we already talked about, you have anywhere from 10 to 12 spots above ADP. You're not telling people to draft them a full round ahead, but if you want to take them five, six, seven, eight spots ahead, in your opinion, the value, they are still underrated in best ball formats. Yeah, I totally, it just really comes down to which, do you have one of the receivers early on? And then if so, then you can draft one of them. And I think Jalen Hurts is maybe one of the exceptions because I think you can draft Alice Goddard 
uh, in like round nine and pair them up. Or if you can get Devonta Smith, you totally can do that too. But I think all these quarterbacks are underrated. I will say that the price tag has gone up from last year. These early round quarterbacks are getting drafted uh, about a round or maybe a round and a half earlier than they were. But I think that was totally justified. Maybe even arguably not enough. I just don't see how the best ball mania three winner. Is it going to be a Jared Goff team? There's just no way. Like there's there is it going to be a I love Max Jones team. It's a two a team. Is it going to be a two a team? No, it's not going to be a two a team. It's probably going to be one of the names we just mentioned. Maybe the next couple like five or six quarterbacks have a chance. But really, like the the top six quarterbacks we just listed, like their ceilings are hard to compete with. Okay, so we go from Jalen Hurts to the opposite. Tom Brady, he's going as the quarterback nine. We have him as the quarterback seven, and I am all for it. I mean, Tom Brady was the quarterback three in fantasy points per game last season. What the hell's changed? I mean, it is incredible what Tom freaking Brady is doing at 44 or 45 years of age now. I mean, the league has shifted towards creating big plays and preventing big plays, right? And Brady has evolved with it. You know, he's so much more aggressive now than he used to be. He he will risk it throwing interceptions to create game-changing moments. Plus... His situational football and understanding is incredible. And with how good the Bucks roster is from an offensive line standpoint, even when they lose a couple players, guess what? They bring in Shaq Mason. They reinvest. Skill groupings. Chris Godwin's going to miss some time. Oh, guess what? We just signed freaking Russell Gage, who is like my highest exposure player other than Josh Palmer in best ball mania drafts right now. I understand. We fantasize. Like we get obsessed about these quarterbacks and rushing potential, the statues can still pull it off too. And Tom Brady did it last year and he can do it again this year. Yeah. It's the offensive structure. They were second in neutral pass rate, second in pace. How do you compete with that? Like, even if he takes a step back, how do you compete with uh, a quarterback in that offensive system? So uh, even just looking uh, at it last year, he had two games of over 30 plus fantasy points, even though he has zero in the past game. And what's good about for best ball purposes, talking about stacking uh, when you are a, a pocket passer like that and you do have one of those ceiling games, that means your receivers are really cooking. You know, like if Jalen Hurts has one of those games, maybe one or two of those uh, wide receivers or tight ends are going off. If Tom Brady has a 30-plus game in the finals, that means Mike Evans or Russell Gage or Gronk or somebody went completely ham here. So uh, his arm talent really didn't fall off last year. Oh, I man. think that uh, back in the day, they were, they were ripping cigs at halftime. He's doing avocado toast. Uh, so I think that it's totally different when it comes to just a, like a uh, decline at the quarterback position. And I'm not going to be betting against it. The offensive line is not as good. The skill position group is not as good just based off of age and injuries and all that stuff, but it's still well above average. Tom Brady was exceptional. I would have voted for him for MVP last year. I'm not expecting that level of a season again, but to me, I like Mike Evans in the second round. You can sell me on Russell Gage. Uh, you're completely sold on Russell Gage. You can sell me on Gronk or Cameron Brate later on. And Chris Godwin, by the time week 17 comes around, should be getting to full health too. So uh, this is once again, just I think people uh, a little bit underestimating how good Tom Tom Brady is in fantasy land, <laughs> which is absurd to say, but like it's actually true. We might be too, even though we're two spots above ADP just at the position on him. He attempted the most deep balls in the league last year. I can't reiterate enough just how good this environment is for how he plays the game now. Because he can play quick if he needs to. He can play slow if he has to. He will hand it off if the defensive box is giving him enough space eight times in a row. Or he'll open it with 12 straight passing plays like we've seen him do at the exact same time. 
No one is in more complete control of their own destiny on a drive-to-drive basis than Tom Brady is. Now, when he is pressured, do things tail off a little bit? Yes, and probably a little bit more than they used to. Everybody does. Yeah, but you've got freaking Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith, Shaq Mason, a bunch of other dudes. They added some tight ends that can now be multiple blockers as well. Maybe, oh, maybe Rashad White comes in and earns his trust in the pass-catching role early on. Re-up, reload, and oh, yes, give me Russell Gage at wide receiver 41. I can't believe I, We're going to talk about this in wide receiver rankings. How are you not giddy at that price? That's insane money for I'm happy where he's going to play in this offense. I'm happy with him. Yeah, I think I think the, the people know that Tom Brady's good. I, I think we should move on. Okay. <laughs> but not good enough. They're still drafting a quarterback nine. We have to know, beat this know, into their I know. heads. I know. Beat it into their heads. Okay. Instead, let's talk about Joe Burrow. Going from awful to average would be such a massive boost in terms of offensive line help with what Joe Burrow is getting this season. Like, just not allowing 70 sacks on a year. That's a big freaking deal. And Joe Burrow should be getting that this year. And almost a Kansas City-like changing the organization to fit offensive line intake. And that's what the Bengals did. And Hayden, it's not just protecting him and not forcing him to make these miraculous passes and throws and conversions on third down, which we'll get into. But there's probably some trickle down from a better offensive line too, right? In terms of Zach Taylor trusting this offense from start to finish to be above average and neutral pass rate. Yeah, they were worried about Joe Burrow's health early on and the offensive line. Both of those things aren't issues at this point. And they got the best probably three wide receiver set in the league. So I think that they're going to play with pace. They're going to play with neutral pass rate. And that's why I think that Joe Burrow can have a pretty good season. Now, the one concern is um, how efficient they were in the deep ball. And that is one of those categories where I know how good T Higgins and Jamar chase is. I know how good at Joe Burrow is at throwing these balls, but it, th- that is one of the categories where there is a little bit of regression here. And he was talking about it, how he was expecting defenses to play with more too high, uh, coverage is to me that's a good thing that he's even talking about this that they know that this is coming and we were going back to last year's podcast if you're new here uh we were talking about if it was cover one or cover three we knew that this team was going to ball the hell out and when it was cover yes. two is going to be a little bit different and they have to make some adjustments here that's why tyler boyd is like another reason why tyler boyd is probably undervalued is probably it's probably not going to be as many deep balls down the field but even with all that Joe Burrow is still a rock solid pick. We know what we're getting with him. His numbers should be, even if the deep ball numbers uh, come down, I think they'll probably pass the ball more in the regular season this year. They were 30th in neutral pace last year. Like, can we speed that up a little bit? Like, is this offense good enough where we can speed that up? Maybe just like get him to 15th overall. And that would make a big difference too. So uh, he was 52nd overall and better in best ball points per game last year. He's being drafted 69th overall. Obviously very easy to stack him up. Give me T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, and call it a day. You can't blitz him. We need the highest yards per attempt when blitz in the NFL last season at 10.8. And that's a full yard and a half above Patrick Mahomes, who's like next in that category among the names that we're talking about in this area. He also freaking led the league in total completion percentage last year. With that offensive line, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And he creates plays unlike almost any others. And it's why it was tough for me to wrap my brain around it because there are far more athletic quarterbacks, right? Not saying he's unathletic, but they're just freaks. They're freaks of nature at this position. Now free rushers though, he'll make the miss. He'll look for an outlet. He'll know exactly where his check down is, or he'll just launch it deep. 
in those moments. And he's so slippery in a lesser athletic way than some of the rest around him. I'm with you on, and I'm so glad he's aware of this because again, some of those Jamar chase, especially Jamar chase, catch and run huge plays, not saying chase isn't just an anomaly, but those aren't like necessarily in the playbook to turn a 20 yarder into a 60 yarder, you know, hopefully you cross your fingers, but those aren't necessarily bankable. So if that comes crashing down to earth a little bit, that's fine because we're also just getting such probably a big boost in so many other, other areas that you're talking about in terms of fewer sacks and just more trust in the passing game from start to finish from week one. And if you go back to that LSU season that he had, that was a lot of empty set sets and just getting the ball out. He can adjust. If it's a cover two this year, this is not like a concern where I'm like, oh, he's not going to be able to figure this out. Like Joe Burrow's going to be able to figure this out. So he's going to be he's going to be a mid range quarterback one the entire year. I mean, he had games seven sacks in the Super Bowl, nine sacks in the win over Tennessee, six sacks versus the Chargers, and four other games of five sacks. Let's get that wow. down to like three on average. Keep him upright. <laughs> let 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 this guy be in the league for a couple of years. <laughs> Oh, that team. And I'm with you on Tyler Boyd. I mean, where he's going right now at wide receiver 52, it's kind of already baked in to one, the volume that he gets if all three are out there. But if they have to rely and see a bit more cover two and him underneath, great. They've got a great player in that area with maybe question marks at tight end in comparison to CJ Ozoma last season. But also if one of those players goes down and Jamar Chase or T Higgins, oh, buddy, we have a wide receiver and two wide receiver sets on one of the best passing offenses in the league. So still trying to figure out who Zach Taylor is, though. Okay. We go from Joe Burrow, who what is our quarterback eight, to our quarterback nine, Trey Lance. Not too much to go off with Trey Lance. Two games. Arizona early, Houston late. Big plays. But really, Hayden, what will the offense, in your opinion, look like under Trey Lance? Because, again, all that we have are – uh 86 dropbacks and 38 carries. So I watched uh, his two and a half starts, if you will. He came in that that uh, second half of the game early on too. And to me, the biggest thing is he was not seeing the field at all. And I look up on PFF, he held the ball longer than any quarterback in the league. And there's a reason why he's doing that. He was fourth in average yards uh, or air yards per attempt. He is somebody that is going to be throwing the ball deep downfield and he's going to be able to scramble Shanahan gave him some design runs. He had 12 and six design runs in his two starts. He had seven, 16 and eight carries in those three appearances. That's why we love him for fantasy purposes. They had him a bunch of different options down in the red zone. I think that this is going to be one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL, just how dynamic, how versatile this offense is. And that's where his, his fantasy production is going to come. He's, he could have 10 rushing touchdowns this year. No questions asked where it comes to, uh, I have some concerns just with like the rest of their skill players is I'm worried about the neutral pace. They were 28th last year. Uh, I'm worried about Trey Lance's consistency as a passer. He has a lot of steps that he has to do. He can rip the ball, but he was not seeing the field. Uh, he was 50th out of 54 quarterbacks in success rate. He was 42nd in completion percentage over expected. He had a couple big plays on blown coverages that are uh, kind of hiding some of these stats. But man, when he is releasing the ball, that ball could be ripped downfield. And he is such a good athlete. And this offense around him is so good. That's why, and for fantasy purposes, 
I'm all in. The second Jimmy G gets traded or released or just benched outright, his ADP is going to climb two, three rounds. So now is the time to get him going. Uh, I think we can have a different conversation, on, maybe even on a different show, about how consistent this passing offense is going to be. But for fantasy purposes, he's like locked and loaded. Yeah. Again, we have him as the quarterback nine. Right now, he's going as what? The quarterback 12, something? Yeah, quarterback in that 11, area? quarterback 12. So we're already ahead of ADP. And this might be an interesting conversation because while we're far higher in him than the public, we might have some some negatives, as Hayden just outlined, and some concerns. But I think a lot of that is already included on where we even have him ranked because then things are going to shift once the Jimmy Garoppolo era ends there. Because I don't think there's even a chance that they turn back to him. They're openly talking about trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Less than 10%. <laughs> you outlined it pretty good, though. I mean, the big difference between Jimmy and Trey Lance, I mean, they were massive ones. It was 7.4 intended air yards per attempt for Jimmy Garoppolo. It was eighth lowest in the league. When Trey Lance was in there, again, just 86 dropbacks. That jumped to 10.3 intended air yards per attempt. That would have been highest in all of the NFL. Also, seventh fastest from time to throw from Jimmy last season, 2.67 seconds. And as you said, Trey Lance, 3.37 seconds. That's the longest in the league. So while I am totally with you, he did not see the field at all. That might happen when you play one game during your final season of college football. Don't get that many practice reps because the team's still trying to win at the NFL level. But we have also seen a lot of other rookie quarterbacks, and this might apply to all of the other rookie quarterbacks this past year, look instantly better and instantly at home and more comfortable than certainly he did. But I'm, I'm intrigued by what this rushing attack could be and how they blend a whole bunch of different packages and what that also means for the associated running backs too. Cause I think each of their backs do something a little bit different. I I'm anticipating him having like a Jalen hurt season from last year where you can see like there's some potential here. I think Trey Lance's arm talent's better than, than Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts has way more experience. So I'm kind of like weighing those two things together. But all things considered here, we're trying to come in first place in your home league. That's first out of 10, first out of 12. Or you're trying to come in first place out of hundreds of thousands of drafters. Trey Lance has that like MVP ceiling just where if everything clicks here, and that's how you have to be, to me, um, overweight on Trey Lance, especially at these these price tags. And I think that he's going to be one of the best red zone weapons in the league. I can't wait to see what Shanahan's cooking up uh, oh, yeah. in the red zone. It's going to be completely nasty stuff. But he he has to he has to improve. He he was not able to, to read the the field last year. That's it's simple as that. And he was he was not super accurate either. You know, and I and the other layer to this is he had a finger problem. Like, you yeah. know, like, I, I, how am I supposed to weigh any of that stuff? So um, all I know is the design runs are going to be there, and he has the weapons. Just throw a little screen to Debo Samuel. If Debo Samuel wants to run uh, run off for a 75-yard touchdown, Jaylen, or Traylon, uh, Trey Lance gets those uh, fantasy points, too. So are we where we think he's going to settle after Jimmy's taken care of? I think I'd have him right after Jalen Hurts. So quarterback seven? Somewhere in there. Wow. Love to see it. Preseason is going to be fun with Trey Lance, too. We uh, lost our marbles during last one. Okay, so we go from, yes, Trey Lance to our quarterback 10. Yeah. He changed teams. Russell Wilson. No one might be or unseat Russell Wilson still in terms of the moon shots, the moon balls that he throws down the field. He is still, man, a big play thrower so now he escapes the shadowy area that seattle turned into and how he 
flip through offensive coordinators that felt like nearly every single year. Now with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver with the likes of Cortland Sutton, you're drafting his wide receiver 18, Jerry Judy, wide receiver 20. Tim Patrick has moved 13 spots a full round in the past month. People are all in on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Are we? I think that you can't be completely out on Russell Wilson in particular. His ADP hasn't gone out of control. He's still quarterback 8, 78th overall. Even last year, he was 83rd overall per game. Um, to me, there's like two different parts of the Russell Wilson debate. First off, when we were just talking about uh, his finger injury last year and his ability to throw the ball, uh, I watched some of these games. Yes, like the, the first couple games back, like he just shouldn't have been out there. Uh, even like later on the season, there were some some deep passes with touch. In that first half of the season, he was looking like Russell Wilson of old. I'm not really worried about the passing numbers. I think all that stuff is going to be there. To me, the bigger issue with Russell Wilson, especially for fantasy purposes, is his movement ability. I just from my eye test, I thought that he wasn't scrambling as much. And I look at uh, one of the stats that PFF has is average time to throw in the pocket on pass attempts. And to me, if you look at this list, like Lamar Jackson, those types of players that are moving around a little bit, holding on to the ball. Uh, the previous year's third, fourth, third in rankings. Uh, last year, that dropped down to 16th overall. He was just not um, scrambling around as often as he was. And he kind of needs those. If he is going to be the most aggressive passer downfield, launch those balls, you got to buy some time for those wide receivers to get downfield. His career uh, rushing yards per game was at 31.3 going into last year. Last year was only 13. His career yards per carry was at 5.6 going into last year. Last year was down to 3.1. So I think that, to me, the athleticism is going to go first before his his passing numbers. So I'm a little bit conflicted here. I think he's going to be a low-end quarterback one with some ceiling games. Uh, and they play the Chiefs in the, in the last week of the season. So all that stuff's going for him. To me, I'm more concerned about just like how athletic is he going to be um, and less so about the passing numbers. I'm going to pull up his passing chart, his heat map, according to uh, PFF's quarterback annual. Go and check it out if you have not. Russ freaking hates the middle of the field. He can't see it. It's never been in his back pocket in terms of throwing the football, not calling him a bad player at all, but it can kind of be tough to take the offense that Nathaniel Hackett ran in Green Bay under LaFleur and say, oh, we're just going to drop it in. No, Russell Wilson has a Russell Wilson offense. I don't think this is going to be too dissimilar to the offense that we saw in Seattle. Now, maybe they'll let him throw a bit more often in first down and second down versus asking him to play hero ball. But even the hero ball elements, which is what we have all fallen in love with Russell Wilson over the years, 34 doesn't hit like 30, man, as you just outlined. Like dad bod Russ, it slows down a little bit, you know? And he's just not that same type of what Kyler Murray's doing at times. You know what Josh Allen is doing at times. That's what he was doing five, six years ago, and he just can't do that anymore. So where does this match up with a bunch of his wide receivers? It certainly matches up with Cortland Sutton. It matches up with Tim Patrick. I'm trying to figure out how it matches up with wide receiver 20, Jerry Judy, a little bit. But that, uh, that's well, a conversation for another day. We'll get to the, the wide receiver rankings. I think that Jerry Judy can be Tyler Lockett in some sorts. He has like that kind of profile underneath, too. And Tyler Lockett got some scheme touches, too. But I think that Cortland Sutton is the one that's on the outside deep balls buy some time and let it rip down there. But I'm with you. Russell, the Russell Wilson offense is the Russell Wilson offense because 
of his skill set. He wants to buy some time and throw the ball downfield because he has one of the best deep ball touches that the NFL has ever seen. So, yes, lean on that. That, that play is extremely efficient. Um, so I, I don't think that we're going to get the, the quick uh, hitting offense that like Aaron Rodgers was like absolutely eating up in Green Bay recently. But I'm not – I mean, Nathaniel Hackett's probably smart enough to like not let that be. Like I think we're probably like hoping that it's like let Russ cook and he's just going to drop back and dink and dunk the whole time. It's not going to be like that. But I still think even if with those limitations, those limitations have followed Russ his entire life, and he's still been a top five quarterback at times. So I think that top ten quarterback I'm sold – uh, I, I don't think that all of a sudden we should expect this Broncos team to be like top five in pass attempts or anything like that. For sure. And I'm with you. And my next point was going to be a Nathaniel Hackett. Apparently everyone loves him. Apparently he's a genius. Apparently he's going to be able answer. to an offense, you know? So I'm sure he's far more intelligent than I am and it's going to, it's going to work out. But when you just have like a complete blind spot in the middle of the field and teams might play some too high and, you know, it can be a bit tough to orchestrate and really not have anything in front of you that you can open up and like and go to and fire into windows and make difficult throws. Like that's just not part. That's just not what this is. Am I crazy for thinking that he isn't moving around as much? Am I, am I seeing things? No, or I'm with you, think, you. Okay, you're with me. Okay, I'm with you. Now the injury certainly did not help, and that's a finger. I'm I'm, I'm like removing the finger. The finger thing, the passing, the touch, all that stuff's going to come back. To me, it's like all right. Do you see him scrambling around as much? Like, that's the thing I'm going to be looking out for, especially early on in the year. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers had 88 screens last season, too. Russell Wilson only had 48. Like, the quick game, just not. But not. he can throw a screen. Like, I, I'm hoping, like, at a screen. Like, he, he can throw a screen. It's, to me, it's like the, like, a little quick out and stuff of, like, seeing the field. He, like, doesn't have those eyes. He can throw a screen. Come on. I don't know. The quick game has just never been in his back pocket. In my, quick in game my and opinion. screens are different. This is one of those talk about blind spots with him. It's middle of the field. It's me drafting Russell Wilson so far in best ball mania and, and these employee drafts. So maybe I'm the fish. Okay. So we go from Russell Wilson as our quarterback 10. There's a lot, a lot that could be fun about that team. And I, I, I want to find out more, um, but we go to the quarterback 11 for us. And that's Dak Prescott. Lots to talk about here because Dak Prescott dealt with like that awful calf injury that like, ruined a few player seasons last year. Um, they started off on fire, you know, and then it kind of got a little stiff. Um, I can't tell if that was Kellen Moore, if it was Dak, the calf, if uh, it just wasn't in tune. There was like that Broncos game when it was, everything was just missing by just a little bit. But this is also a player who like in his first few games of what the 2019-2020 season, like the first five, First three, he was the quarterback one, and now we have him sitting here as the quarterback 11. There's some room to grow. They also lost Amari Cooper. Uh, the offensive line has does not look as good. Um, the defense looks better, which is, might be a bad thing for, for them. But I, I did go back, and I was shocked to see this. The Cowboys scored the most points in the NFL last year. Yeah. That, that was like, what? I don't really remember that. Um, but to me, this is just like a wide receiver issue perhaps um, I don't know if they're going to like a healthier Zeke means they're going to run the ball a little bit more. I don't know. I, the one thing I just, I do know for a fact about the Cowboys, I don't trust this coaching staff. I mean, this, I mean, every analyst that I follow is like, what is going on with this offense? And that's why I was like super frustrating how, how inconsistent this offense was. Maybe Dak Prescott's just not as good as we thought uh, he was, but I do know that like losing Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup probably not going to, uh, be back in September and you're going to be relying on James Washington and a third round rookie who's not even practicing right now. 
Like that's why I think we had to move him down in in these rankings here. And I'm totally fine. He's going to be like a, a low end quarterback one probably. Um, I just don't see him like being like a top three, top five fantasy quarterback with this offense. Yeah, he's so smart. He's so precise in the pocket. He's like pocket movement and sticking within the structure of the offense. I want Kellen Moore to like create some easy stuff for him. It just wasn't there often enough. Like he almost relied on Dak's intelligence to get to that third option that was just stuck there in the middle of the field and say, hey, man, we trust you. It looks good in the whiteboard if we can get to here. Okay, open stuff up early, you know? And then Mike McCarthy getting out there this offseason and talking about designed run stuff. Like I understand Dak wasn't really running that well because of this calf injury towards the stretch and there were wide open spaces and he didn't want to scramble, especially coming off of what that broken ankle, but design runs also ain't it, man. Design runs aren't it. Well, for fantasy, that would be helpful. I'm excited about that, but like, that's not going to fix the offense here. You know, like Dak Prescott's not Lamar Jackson, but I mean, I will take some of that. If if he's not going to be throwing the ball as much and he's going to be running a little bit, maybe we are underrating him. This is one of those offenses. If if it is going to be reflective, like last year, Six in new, new, neutral pass rate, first in neutral pace. Like that's how you can keep your floor afloat, keep the ceiling intact. Uh, and just if he's maybe he's just healthier than he was last year, and all of a sudden we're good to go here. So I think that Dak Prescott, he's going at a price right now where it's it's really not that bad. Eighty six overall quarterback ten. You can pair him up with Dalton Schultz. You can pair him up with Ceedee Lamb. Ceedee Lamb is getting, I mean, his price tag is kind of out of control right now. Um, but Isn't I think it, the first I mean, second round. I mean, thirteenth overall. <laughs> Really? We're, I mean, we're, I guess so, but... I could see CD Lamb leading the league in targets this year, but that's a wide receiver conversation once we get there. I'm also taking a whole bunch of Tony Pollard at running back 28 because that big-ass outcome of him being the top back if Zeke goes down is stuck in my head. Okay. That's enough time on quarterback 11. Let's go to quarterback 12. That's Matthew Stafford. We finally saw what this Sean McVay offense can be if a legit quarterback plays back there, you know? Ones that will stick to the pocket, ones that you also can't blitz because when you do, he's going berserk and he's finding the open spot and he's throwing to it. So even with all the interceptions that he threw, I mean, Matthew Stafford was top five in EPA and drop packs versus five pass rushers last season. And because of that, he can work in like those deep drops if his offensive line holds up and getting those five to seven steps and launching it down the field. Oh goodness. And that's going to keep going here with Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, and maybe Odell towards the end of the year, too. Yeah, I think that this offense should be better with Allen Robinson instead of uh, Robert Woods. We know that they're going to play with pace. They're going to play with neutral pass rate. So Matt, and Matthew Stafford could sling it. I don't see how any of this goes wrong. I think Matthew Stafford, I was like, who's most likely to be quarterback 11 this year in fantasy? It's like Matthew Stafford. I don't see this falling out falling out from underneath him. I don't see him being a top five fantasy quarterback either. Um he is playing the Chargers, and everybody loves that game. Can't blame you there. Um, so I think that Matthew Stafford's like as straightforward as it gets, really. This is an area of the draft, and maybe this is the conversation we should have with Matthew Stafford, where double tapping comes into play. Like we talked about how big of a boost it is at the top to have one of those top three, four, five names. But a lot of these quarterbacks from Russell Wilson down to Trey Lance, who's going one spot after Matthew Stafford, are from, let's say, 76 overall to 92 overall. So taking these guys as two quarterbacks back-to-back, like let's say a Trey Lance and a Tom Brady or a Trey Lance and a Matthew Stafford or Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, you know, like stacking those two immediately and being done with the position, I kind of like that where the values are falling at the moment. 
I don't want to be Matthew Stafford and then like Mac Jones and do a two quarterback build. To me, that's not enough just because like the way that Matthew Stafford plays, he just has a harder time to have that truly elite fantasy ceiling. So we're like kind of in that, that dead zone a little bit, but they do play the chargers in week 17. That could be, have a total of 58. Um, so yeah, to me, I think he's fine. He's totally fine. If you have Cooper cup or Allen Robinson, you can pair him up very easily. His price tag is affordable. I don't think that Matthew Stafford's going to necessarily win you, win you your league right now, but I think that he's like totally fine. What if you have a stack already paired up with him? And the L, Left tackle transition is, is is a pretty sizable one going from Whitworth to who their swing sa- swing tackle was and in, in Joe Noteboom, because then the trickle down for depth is is a question. But uh Rams can do no wrong at the moment. Okay. So we go from quarterback 12, quarterback 13, and to me, this is like the end of the top. Aaron Rodgers. Big conversation here because talk about changes. Holy shit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was 11th last year in 20 plus yard targets with 73. Devonta Adams and Marquez Valdez Scantling accounted for 49 of those. Okay. He also had 28 passes inside of the red zone for touchdowns last season. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Devonta Adams accounted for 12 of those. Now you go to Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Sammy Watkins. Like we saw it. Deep, short, in times of need, the focus was Devontae Adams. And without that big planet almost there being an operation for this team, I have no clue how successful it can be. Not doubting the two-time MVP, but the success is probably different, no? Yeah, I mean, the success is going to be clearly different. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers, might be the best receiver in the league, and they didn't really add anybody. He hasn't even mentioned Christian Watson's name yet. He probably doesn't even know who he is. That's how little he trusts him. They need Julio Jones or something like that, in my opinion. Uh, I have some concerns here with Aaron Rodgers. Last year, they were fifth in neutral pass rate with Devontae Adams. I do not see that repeating. Why would you? You have two good running backs here. Um, they were also 31st in neutral uh offensive pace i don't really see that changing if they're going to run the ball more i think it's gonna be a pretty slow paced offense and there's really no reason to put your uh foot on the gas here if your wide receiver core it looks as bad as it does right now so i think it's gonna be a little bit more bully ball than we're anticipating here and david bakhtiari still is not practicing and that's kind of been like an underrated storyline here this offensive line isn't as good as it was in like 2019 for example so uh last year he was phenomenal uh i still think he's going to be a great player but the 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 uh, environment around them is is, is is no bueno. And they're playing in Green Bay in that Week 17 game against the Vikings in the second time through the division here. So uh, he, they, to me, they need they need to take a, a gamble on one of these wide receivers. I know like we can make fun of like Julio Jones and Will Fuller, how much time they're going to miss here. But I think they need to take a gamble unless they're like seeing something about Christian Watson or Romeo Dubs that maybe we aren't projecting ourselves. But to me, I think that the the offensive environment here, just because of their pace and uh, probably a dip in neutral pass rate, I think it's going to have some big consequences for Aaron Rodgers and fantasy land. But with all that said, and I'm totally with you on all those concerns, I think it's really fair of where he's going in that gap between those top 12 that we talked about and the rest of these quarterbacks. Because let's say if they either reinvested really heavily at wide receiver or Devontae Adams was still on this roster, he might be up in that. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady category, and he's not, you know, like we have our concerns despite the individual talents and how great Aaron Rodgers is still playing. And it's just because like, how great can your ceiling be without some of the premier playmakers in this league? And when maybe your best skill vision group now, not maybe it is, is that running back and Aaron, Aaron Jones is going to 
catch a bunch of passes. And I know people are doing the on-off splits with all that stuff. I think just all of it kind of has to change here. But he loves the quick game, man. Loves the quick game. And that's good. That's good. Okay. Um, let's talk about a few more names. Like right after him, it's Derek Carr as quarterback. I think I have them over Aaron Rodgers. I think I have Carr and Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers in my rankings. You do. Give your case. Well, let's start with Derek Derek Carr. Obviously, uh, he adds Devontae Adams. Ever heard of him? The, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the just the way that this this division set up. They're in a dome and they're playing the 49ers in, in the, the week 17. Obviously, I think Derek Carr is a little bit underrated. Uh, people are saying I like vanilla soft serve because I like Derek Carr. Turns out he's actually just very good. Um, I think that this offense is going to play with more pace. We've seen that this uh, Josh McDaniels has had times where they've been top five pace, top five neutral pass rate. I'm not saying that that will happen with Derek Carr, but at least within the, the range of possibilities here. I just like to stack up that offense. And then for me, Kirk Cousins is the most interesting one uh, to talk about here. Kirk Cousins, everyone hates him. So his ADP is always going to be pretty reflective and probably a little bit lower than anticipated last year. He was 73rd overall in better and best ball points. He was the quarterback 12 this year. He's the quarterback 15th going 120th overall. So nowhere near where he was last year as a fantasy asset. And I think that there is some reasons for optimism around Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Adam Thielen hopefully can play more games than he did last year. Uh, the offensive line looks maybe even better than it has been. There's a lot of young players on the offensive line, but really to me, it's the, the coaching change here. Everyone hated uh, Zimmer at the end of this uh, uh, regime. And I think that this uh, Kevin McConnell guy, he has kind of the fantasy goods. We're looking at like Matthew Stafford. And obviously this is a Sean McVay disciple. They were fourth in neutral pace, seventh in neutral pass rate. To me, I see a lot of similarities between the Vikings uh, personnel and the Rams personnel. What if Kirk Cousins goes from a defensive minded uh just play with neutral pace, play very slow, and let's grind things out. And they just say, let it rip, Kirk. Uh, yeah. your, your best asset is you just can throw the ball on time, and you're an accurate passer. There's no denying that. And let's just try to rip this, and Justin Jefferson lead the league in targets, and all of a sudden you're ready to go here. So I love stacking Kirk Cousins. I think that he is my favorite second quarterback. If I go like Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, that's perfect. Get out of those leagues. Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, perfectly set up. Uh, and his ADP will always be low because everybody hates Kirk Cousins. Everybody hates Adam Thielen because he's old right now. And if you love Irv Smith for whatever reason or you like K.J. Osborne, you can stack him up later there too. So uh, I think that Kirk Cousins, they can be like top five in, in pass attempts very quietly this year. I was going to say the exact same thing, that he is my go-to second quarterback who's not named Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but love everything that you said about Kirk Cousins. They're going to live probably in 11 personnel. Um, Derek Carr is also someone that I'm totally cool with exiting drafts with. And there's a few reasons why, like he has evolved as a player, you know, he has transcended vanilla soft serve to now being a Chaco taco out of the freezer. Like Let's he's, go. he's throwing 81 passes, 20 plus yards on the field last season. That was fourth in the league. Um, there's plenty of areas where he can drastically improve his numbers. He hasn't surpassed 30 touchdown passes since the 2015 season. A big part of that was coaching while John Gruden did some good things. Well, the last three years, the Raiders and red zone touchdown rate 29th, 23rd and 22nd inner Josh McDaniels who talk about coaches. The last two years, his offenses have been wildly different. You know, remember back to the Cam Newton, Julian Edelman days where it was like throwbacks and manufactured shit inside the 10 yard line. Then he moved on to Mac Jones and kind of evolved that offense as it went along to run heavy to giving it to Mac and to then finish run heavy again. They have so many pieces too, like the dynamics that you can oh, have yeah. in the red zone 
with Devontae, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Offensive line is a massive, massive question, especially in comparison to the Patriots last season. But Derek Carr, I think he's destined for 30 touchdown passes this season. And again, that's going to be his best figure since 2015. I'm afraid if we keep talking about Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, people are going to start unsubbing. So let's get to some of these uh, more exciting guys that are ranked right after after these guys. Yeah, so after that, Justin Fields is going as quarterback 18. Trevor Lawrence is going as quarterback 19. Tua Tungo-Vailoa as quarterback 17. Maybe pick one of those or whichever one you want to talk about. It's got to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Like I can't. I didn't even pull Tua highlights. They, I mean, come on. Uh, let's start with Trevor Lawrence, though. I think you and I have been on him, and I just watched uh, the last couple games of Trevor Lawrence. And yes, he can get himself into some trouble, and he likes to force some passes. He is pretty aggressive, and there were some YOLO moments because the rest of the the line and his pass catchers. I mean, these pass catchers last year, the Jaguars, it was unbelievable how bad they were. All of them were just complete garbage. Uh, Christian Kirk is an upgrade. Evan Ingram's an upgrade. Travis Etienne's for sure going to be an upgrade. Even Zay Jones is somehow going to be an upgrade here. Uh, we've had Doug Peterson play with pace, neutral pass rate. He's been aggressive on the fourth down. All of that stuff. This division's not going to be very good. But to me, just Trevor Lawrence by himself. He does two things pretty well. I think that his ability to read defense as well as, was pretty impressive for a rookie. He can stand in there and deliver, step up, and throw the ball downfield. I do want him to rip some more shots in there. He kind of like tries to put a little more touch on there. But I do see like he looks like uh, somebody that's a, <clears throat> about to take a leap here. And his wide receivers like that. That I mean, come on, that's got to be caught right there. Uh, left him out to dry. And I don't ex- expect that to happen. I see. I can think Trevor Lawrence with a real. Uh, some real leadership is probably going to have a massive second second um, season here. And this offense is very cheap. Evan Ingram's like the tight end 24, something like that. Christian Kirk's very affordable. Zay Jones goes undrafted. So I think at best while many a three, like you said, if it's not Kirk Cousins as your quarterback too, I do love Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback too as well. He's so aggressive. He's outstanding at avoiding sacks. Like this offensive line, big issue last year. That's why they had some investments in it this year. And uh, he only had, I think, 32 sacks allowed last season. Um, That's right up there with some of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. And it's because despite how bad they were, how often they were throwing the football, still taking five and seven step drops and holding the ball to try to create big plays. He knows where his outlets are and he can scramble like this. Uh, I'm really in on on Trevor Lawrence. And as quarterback 19 where he's going, again, he's my go-to second quarterback because I think we can get spiked weeks out of him, you know? Like he only had what, I think he actually had more red zone touchdowns on the ground than Justin Fields did during his final two seasons, you know, in college. And he just needs everything to slow down just a little bit and like not force things. But that inconsistency and like that eight game stretch in the middle of the season when he had just one touchdown pass last season, I think that all evaporates when, you know, you have a capable coach, not a dumpster fire running the organization and just like solid, good overpaid role players versus literally guys catching the ball and then throwing it in the back of the end zone and refusing to catch them. It was abysmal what they had out out there. So environment's better now going to Justin Fields where the environment it's probably the same. I don't know. It's, it's definitely not much better. Um, but Justin Fields did average 51 rushing yards per game after they started letting him run the ball. And uh, there's been about 71 quarterbacks who averaged 30 plus rushing yards uh, in at least 10 starts 
those 71 quarterbacks on average average 19.3 fantasy points per game, which is basically quarterback one numbers. Uh, of those 71 quarterbacks, Justin Fields had the second fewest fantasy points per game in one of those seasons last year behind Cliff Stout, who I, I, I'm not a boomer. I have no idea who the hell that is. Uh, but I, I do think that you can see in some of these clips, Justin Fields also is not able to read the field. But when he is on time and he is throwing the ball outside the numbers, he is a very dynamic passer. And I think that they're yeah. going to probably let him run a little bit more. I am definitely concerned about the weapons around him, but I do think that he has some potential for spike weeks just because he is an aggressive passer downfield outside the numbers. That's where you get some of those big plays here. If they can get one breakout candidate from this offense, I don't know who it's going to be. I think that Justin Fields could have some spike weeks just because his ability to run the ball. Uh, aggressive might be an understatement like off play action last year. He averaged 12.7 yards per attempt. I mean, 30% of those passes traveled 20 plus yards. You know what's crazy about that is a lot of the times I was frustrated about how many just like slants and curls that in, that were set up in this offense. I thought they should have uh, set like look at that the, that route combination right there. That is right. just him buying time and then throwing the ball down the field. A lot of it was like Allen Robinson just like kept running slants. I was like Allen Robinson should be going downfield. That's how Justin Fields wants to win, and that's how Allen Robinson has been winning. What are we doing with the setup of this offense? Look at another play right there. Four people just sitting down in curls. And then Justin Fields has to has to make a play down. Robinson picks up a first down. But I, I think that if they let this offense cook, I want them to play with more play action, bootlegs, and let him just rifle it. And you're going to punt the ball a ton. He's going to take some sacks here. But you want him to kind of like turn into like the just or uh the Russell Wilson offense where it's like play action, deep shot down the field, because that's where he's playing at his best. And hopefully this new uh coaching staff has figured that out. Yeah. And on those play action snaps, he also took a sack 17% of the time. That's absurdly bad. And when he took sacks, some of them They're were bad. drive destroying, like 12 yards, 15 yards. He never wanted to like let a play die. Um, it just, you know, again, got all a bit too slow at times. What gets back to me, man, is if we have these questions about skill players, we don't know much about the coaching staff. It's all new out there. You could have said like, well, at least the offensive line is good. The offensive line literally might be the worst in the league. Like, you know, he's going to have to deal with all this pressure where what we have seen so far, the pressure forces him to take bad sacks and in drives, you know, like freaking Tevin Jenkins was a second round pick last year. And they don't even know if he can play left tackle or right tackle or even play on the field yet. They lost James Daniels, you know, you have Cody Whitehair and that's literally it, man. Like offensive lines, you know me and it's why Almost all the names that we talked about at the top have three, four, or five great pieces along them. Do they have one? Like, it's so concerning. It's so concerning, not with Justin Fields, the individual talent even, but the environment to potentially evaluate him. And at best, to me, he's a spike week player. Like, I don't think we're going to see the consistency where he is a top 10 quarterback on a weekly basis. Yeah, but if I mean 51 rushing yards per game over like a, a big stretch of the season to me is like, you know, it's hard to be too low on him. You know, like his ADP has dropped a little bit. Now I'm like in the zone where I'm starting to buy. Um, all right, one quick game for you. The next quarterbacks on, I think, our list Tua, Mac Jones, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. Now, this is to me where like that cliff has dropped. I can see how Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields has uh, a top 10 fantasy uh, season. These guys, I'm less convinced that's going to happen between Tua, Mac Jones, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. Who do you think you're going to be highest exposed to? These are just like as a quarterback two. 
uh, in some builds. We're not banking on any, any of these quarterbacks. Nobody really is. But out of those names, do you have one that you like best at cost? Yeah, the most boring one, Matt Ryan, probably. Like he's no one wants to draft him. He's always on the board. What he had to deal with last year, talking about offensive lines, like he had the highest pressure rate in the league. And that offensive line busted in Atlanta completely. Um, I actually think Matt Ryan is pretty good under pressure in terms of trying to buy some space for someone who's not athletic and, and not mobile at all. I think he has a still decent downfield arm and the structure that he goes into with Frank Reich and some pillar pieces, some real pillar pieces and Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Michael Pittman. If one more player can emerge from that, like Alec Pierce or someone else like Matt Ryan, there's enough surrounding him that again, I'm not expecting a consistent, you know, he's my starting quarterback in best ball leagues each and every week, but can he get there enough for me? Yeah. Like, but that, that, that's the easy outcome. I think I'm taking there. Yeah. I think Matt Ryan will be pretty straightforward. Daniel Jones has a little bit of spark to him just because uh, we've seen some uh, spike tweaks out of him already. Dable's offense has been top 12 neutral pace in the last three years. Uh, if you get a breakout season out of Kadarius uh, Tony or Kenny Galladay bounces back or Saquon Barkley just ripping off yards after the catch, I can see how Daniel Jones gets there. Mac Jones to me is the most interesting at cost because his wide receiver number his number one wide receiver goes later than any team's number one wide receiver in best ball right now. Hunter Henry's underrated uh, again. Tyquan Thornton, who was a second round pick. Like, like think about how crazy this is. Tyquan Thornton and Sky Moore get drafted right next to each other. Obviously, Sky Moore goes to the better offense, but one's going 82nd overall and one's not getting drafted. I mean, like at some point we have to meet in the middle here. So I think that uh, the the Patriots offense, I'm expecting them probably to not be 32nd in neutral pass rate this year. I'm not expecting them to be 27th in neutral pace. I think that Mac Jones could kind of surprise people just because he's criminally underrated. Of those, Tua is the one that gets priced up the most. And I get it oh, yeah. because he has two superstar potential wide receivers. I don't think that the way he wins is exactly ready for it's games. very different than Jimmy, man. Like a lot of people are trying to make that comparison for all my qualms with Jimmy Garoppolo's game. He was so confident in his throws over the middle. Those can be difficult throws. They can be tight window throws that take a lot of arm strength. That's not really to his game, man. It was a lot of RPOs outside breaking routes into space. All RPOs. Right. And, and it, it's going to have to be a, a different offense, but I'm, I don't want to say too many negative things when, your wide receivers are Tyree Kill and uh and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, just to point this out, man, like you have Mac Jones as the 18th ranked quarterback, and he's going as a 25th quarterback. You are drastically above ADP here, which good on you. Like the more people watch Mac Jones, the more they will like him. I, I promise you. I just feel like people aren't watching him. You know, he's more athletic than the he's given credit for. He's got a better arm on these outside breaking routes. He can carry them when they need him to. Like He's not a he's special better than Tua. Talent. He's better he's than not Tua. a special talent, but watch him. Like really watch Mac Jones. You'll like what you see. He's free. Everybody's free on that offense. It's absurd. A uh, couple notes. I was on Badlands, a Jets podcast last night with Joe Caparoso. Uh, Zach Wilson, I have him as a 20th quarterback. He's going 21st. He thinks that the Jets, who were 32nd in rushing attempts last season, are going to jump into the top five this year and how it's really going to be a San Francisco 49ers-based approach rushing the football, which uh, that wouldn't be a whole lot of pass attempts in comparison to what they put out there last year for the Jets. So just something to keep in mind. I agree they're going to try to do that. You know what you do need uh, to run Defense. the ball, though? A lead? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? So. Um, 
I don't know if we need to have this conversation because we have it so much and everyone knows our feelings on it. But Deshaun Watson's going as the quarterback 15 right now, and you and I have him ranked as the quarterback 24. I think that's all rests on probably not going to play as much as you all think he is. So his ADP is dropping. No, yeah. yeah. He's, I, I think most people think he's going to get suspended at least eight games. I'm on team suspended for the full season. Um, we'll see. I think that they're waiting for the some of the depositions to clear out so they don't have to, uh, the NFL doesn't have to get their feet wet into the actual case. And they're going to wait for some of that to clear up before they actually uh, reveal their um, investigation. So I think that uh, middle of middle of July, we'll get um, Deshaun Watson suspension. I'm going to guess it's going to be a full season. Is there anything else you want to say about any of these other quarterbacks? Nothing on Davis Mills, Hayden. Who are you? Uh, Kenny Pickett goes undrafted and uh, he's got three wide receivers and a tight end to stack with. That's it. All right. We'll end it there. Thank you all for tuning in, Tony. Lundar, Lyell, Prince, Matlev, Scampers, Garrett, Tom, Weaves, all you people. Appreciate you. This was a long one, but hopefully it gives a good outlook of where we view all these quarterbacks right now. And almost certainly we're going to re-up this in uh in August. But there's a lot more to do. Wide receivers and running backs on the way. Okay. For Hayden, I am Josh. Thank you for making it this far. Subscribe down below. Share. Share it with like one friend. You know, the channel, we're trying to grow, trying to blossom. We appreciate all of you. All right, up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. <laughs>